Are you fired up today? Bunch of crazy Christians. Fanatics. Don't you know on the day of Pentecost that the, the world thought, man, the bunch of crazies have arrived? What do they think they're doing? You know, the leaders of that day, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they were afraid of them. They said, man, they've, they're turning the world upside down. And you know, it's, it seems like the world's not being turned upside down much anymore by Christians. And uh, it needs to be turned upside down by a bunch of radical people that love Jesus. And that's only going to come if we're free. You know, the name of our church is Freedom Fellowship. God gave us that name. Some of you have heard this story, but he definitely gave us that name. It wasn't something we just said, oh, that sounds like a good name. Holy Spirit gave us that name, confirmed it several times. And I think people that sometimes are sitting there twisted root or they're angry cactus, they're between angry and they're twisted, and they see that word freedom, and they go, man, I need freedom. You know? I need freedom. You know, people are just bound up. Christians are bound up. And my brothers, it should not be. I've been te- uh, teaching this series called More. And, you know, it, it's kind of funny because everything's kind of upside down in the, in the, Christianity, in the world of Christianity. Because less is more and more is less. And you have to live, to live. You have to die. And to die is to gain. And all things are kind of backwards, it seems. But that really is the truth. If we want more, we've got to be... We've gotta re- re- be willing to yield and allow God to do the work that he wants to do in us. So today we're the third thing that most adults want more of according to a survey is that the first uh, first thing is happiness, the second thing is money, which we talked about last week, and the third thing that most adults want more of is is freedom. Now you would think if that survey's done in America, which it was, that that wouldn't be an issue that we want more freedom. But we're not going to talk about freedom in the sense of our national picture. We're going to talk about freedom in a spiritual sense this morning because, matter of fact, when I mean, we're reading from the Word, we're going to talk about the Spirit of God today. So um, when we talk about freedom, there's, there's basically three kinds of freedoms. There, there's a, a freedom from. saying You know what I'm talking about, a freedom from? Uh, how many of you, when you couldn't wait to get out of your parents' house, you want to be free from your parents? And then you found out that I want to go back to bondage because they're going to pay the bills. <laughs> you know, but we, we think we want to be free from certain things. And, uh, or some people say, I want to be free from this marriage. And then they, they find out the next marriage was worse than the second, first marriage. And they try a third marriage. You know, and then they want to be free. So a lot of times we want to be free from things. But God wants us to be free from sin. You know, he, he said, not only are we free from sin, but we're free from the guilt and the shame of sin. And so many Christians are falling. They walk in guilt. They walk in shame. And they walk in sin because they've allowed sin to still have dominion over them. Now, we're not only free from some things. We're free to some things. And one of the things we're free to as Christians is we're free to live the life that God has called us to live. We're free to do that. You know, before that, you, were, you weren't free. You thought you were free to live for the devil, but you were in bondage to him. So when Christ comes in and you give your life to him, you surrender to him, you, suddenly you're free from that, that past. You're free from the sin. Now you're free to do some things in the kingdom of God. You're, you're free to walk in freedom, for one thing. 
It's for, it is for freedom that Jesus says that Christ set us free. So we're free to do some things, and we're, we're free to walk in freedom and freedom from sin. The other thing we're free to do is we're free to go after the purpose that God's created us to be, for the, peop- the person he's created you to be. Some of you didn't realize that. You haven't realized that yet. You're still praying about it, but God has called you from something but to something, out of something to, to something better. Say something better. So he's called us out of things. He's called us out of bondage into freedom. But yet so many Christians still live in bondage. So many Christians still live in, in, in slavery. They're, they're still trying to figure things out. They're still trying to walk in their flesh and think it's going to please God. And it just doesn't work that way, church. So Wednesday, I mean Tuesday, we have an hour of prayer every Tuesday at noon. And I want to encourage you to come. I know it's maybe not the most convenient time for people to come, but we open up this church for one hour on Tuesday at noon. And we say, hey, give up your lunch. Come in here and pray. And we have this prayer time. So uh, uh, I, had this, I had this word from the Lord for Tuesday. And because I've, I've felt there's such an oppressive spirit in our city, not just the country, but in our city over the COVID mess and all the sickness and whatever you want to call it. I mean, we just have had an oppression. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You talk to people and the first thing they want to talk about is I've been sick or I know somebody that died or I know this, I know that. But it, all it's in it, it just creates an atmosphere of fear. So when we talk about fear as Christians, it, most of the time we quote 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, don't we? For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Let's say that together. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. So I'm, I, was, I was contemplating that scripture because I said, you know what? We're not supposed to walk in fear because, because God's given us. He, he didn't give us that. He gave us power and love and a sound mind. But, you know, for me, I always want to go back and see scriptures in context. Listen, don't just pull a scripture out and run with one little verse. Go see what it means before and after. Go look at it in the context. And so I went back and I, I thought, well, that sounds well and good, but how does that fit? What is, what is he really talking about? Now, Paul is writing to Timothy. Say, Timothy. Timothy's a young guy. We don't know how young he is, but he's a young pastor. And if you, do, if you study commentaries or other theologians, people that have studied uh, the word, they, found that they say that Timothy was probably a very young pastor over a mega church. Can you imagine that? And, so, and, and he, was, he was timid. He was fearful. And so Paul addresses that with him. And he first, let's, let's see how Paul addresses this, this fear. First of all, he says in verse 3, I thank God. Uh, that's a good way to start a prayer. He said, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers. He's talking about Timothy. I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears. Okay, so he knows that Timothy's going through some things because he's mindful of Timothy's tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance. Say the word remembrance. It's going to be an important word throughout this, this teaching. I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelled first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also, Timothy. Amen. He said it came from your grandmother, passed on to your mother, and that faith is in you, Timothy. Look at your neighbor and say, the faith's in you. Faith's in you. Now look at your other neighbor and say, the faith's in you. Make sure everybody gets covered. Okay, the faith's in you. Therefore, 
Say therefore. Therefore, I remind you, there's a get another word, remind, remembrance. I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God did not give us the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Look at it in context. He's talking about you're not just going to walk without fear. You've got to have the power of the Holy Spirit. It has to be stirred up in you. Stir it up. Say stir it up. See, a lot of us, we don't want to stir it up. We just want to kind of coast. And stirring up involves some things, church. He didn't just say, now, Timothy, you just need to stir up the gift that's in you from the laying on of the hands. And a lot of people, well, what's the gift? I believe the gift is Holy Spirit. He gave him the Holy He laid on the hand. He laid on hands, and the people received the Holy Spirit. When apostles did that, received the Holy Spirit. Timothy received the Holy Spirit. He had this gift of the Holy Spirit within him. He said, because you have that gift in you, you need to stir it up, Timothy, because you're walking in some fear, and you need to walk in faith. Amen. You don't need to be afraid because God didn't give you that fear. He gave you power and love and a sound mind. How many of you know we need a sound mind? We need to walk in power, and especially we need to walk in love. But you can't do that if you're not walking in the Spirit, if you're not allowing the Spirit of God to move in you. He says, stir up. The idea is like some coals or embers. How many of you have ever been in the campfire and the campfire starts dying down? Anybody outdoor campers? Or maybe you've got a fireplace. And what do you do? You take a stick. and What do you do, Lorenzo? You stir it up. Boy, those embers start getting cold. You push them all together so they start burning again. Then you put another log on it. It starts burning bright again. See, some of you, the coals are starting to get cold and they're starting to separate. And God says, let's get those, dirt, let's get those coals back together. Let's get that stick. But what's the stick? How do we do that? And that's what I want to show you today. What God has shown me about stirring up because that's really what he's talking about. If we're going to walk in freedom, we've got to be stirred up today by the Spirit of God. Amen. Stir it. Say stir it up. Second Timothy 1 Timothy 1.13. Hold fast. Paul says this to Timothy, hold fast the pattern of the sound words which you have heard from me in faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And that good thing which was committed to you, keep how? By the Holy Spirit who dwells in us. So he's saying the only way you're going to do this, Timothy, is you keep stirring it up. If you keep the word in you, you keep the fresh word. You keep fresh the Holy Spirit working in you and through you. See, God calls us from a bondage to fear to a life of power and love and a sound mind. Out of bondage, into freedom. Say, out of bondage, into freedom. In Galatians 5, 1, Paul says this. He says, at last we have freedom, for Christ has set us free. Christ has set us free. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. That tells me that we have a choice if we want to stay in freedom or we want to go back to the bondage of our past. How many of you have ever backslidden? And I'm talking about backslidden. I'm not talking about just a little bit, but you fell backwards and slid a long way. Right? A lot of people in here. Come on, be honest. You're backslidden. You, you, you chose to go back to the vomit. You go, man, that vomit tasted good. I want some more vomit. See, the, the devil wasn't going, he ain't going to tell you that vomit tastes bad. He, man, that vomit was good because remember how high you got before you vomited? Ooh, it was so much fun. And we choose. He said, don't go back. Please don't go back. You've been set free. He's already said it. He says, Christ has set you free. You have freedom. You have freedom in Christ. Why would you want to return to the legalism? Why would you want to return to religion? 
Why would you want to turn back to that sin that dominated your life and made your life a, a hell on earth? Why would you want to go back to that? And yet people do because they quit stirring up the Spirit of God. That's what God's saying. He, we, we quit stirring him up. Get too comfy with the world. Look down at 5.13 in Galatians. Beloved ones, God has called us to live a life of freedom, but don't view this wonderful freedom as an excuse to set up a base of operations in the natural realm. Constantly love each other. Say constantly. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. This, isn't that beautiful? He, he's called us out of a life of bondage to a life of freedom. And so many people, well, I've got a license to sin now. That's such bull honky. That is such, people say, oh, I'm, I'm under grace, so I can sin all I want. You think that's what God wants for you? Because when you sin all you want, you know what you do? You return to the vomit. You return to the bondage. You return to whatever dominated your life before Christ came in. And you still have a choice to do that. So if you want to quit stirring up the gifts, guess what? You'll find yourself slip sliding away. I'm not saying you lost your salvation. I'm saying God's going, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. He said, why are you living beneath your means? Why are you living, be why are you living in the dumpster where you can live in the mansion? Hmm. Stir it up. Stir it up. Look, look what he says. Constantly love each other and be committed to serve one another. See, I think this is a form of stirring up. It's action. It's, it's, it's loving and serving one another. You see, the more you're loving and serving one another and other people, the less you're thinking about good old you and what you want and how you want to, how you want to have your cake and eat it too. Well, see, you have to get your eyes off of you, and that's part of the stirring up process. But in our culture, it's all about us, what I want. If I need to get to the top, but I have to step on a few people to get there, it's okay because I've learned that that's our culture. Fight your way to the top. And that's not God's culture. It's always contradictory to the world's culture. Amen. Look at Hebrews 10, 24. This is one of those church pastor verses that says, to tries to get people to come back to church. Why does God want you to be in church? Why does he want you to assemble together? And it says, and let us consider one another, one another, in order to what? Stir up love and good works. Just what he said in Galatians. Stir up love and good works. Serving one another, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, ourselves together, as is the manner of some. Did you know COVID? So many people have used COVID for an excuse to quit going to church. How many of you know somebody that used to, they were faithful, all of a sudden COVID hit, well, I don't want to be around a lot of people and I might get sick. Man, I'd rather be around people and get sick than be away from people, isolated from people, and go back to the vomit. We're stirring each other up today. When y'all came here, you were stirring each other up. When we're praying for somebody, we're stirring up the Spirit of God in us. He says, listen, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Quit staying away, as is the manner of some, but exhorting, edifying one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. Do y'all know the day's approaching? The day that he's going to blow, that the, the, the trumpet's going to be blown and we're going to rise up and meet Christ in the air. Did you know that day's coming? Yes. So what, are we should, what should we be doing? He said, stay together, focus together, assemble together, stir one another up, edify one another, love one another, do the good things that God's called you to do. You're free to do that. You're free to do that. 
Hope you're getting stirred up this morning. You know that word stir in this verse in Hebrews? There's another word for stir there, and it's agitate. Have you ever, have you ever started talking to somebody? You know they kind of backslid. You want to start talking about Jesus, and they get agitated. I know some people that got agitated when I talked to them about, about Jesus. Yeah, y'all know who I'm talking about. Y'all, a lot of you here. I thought you, you started messing up and I started talking to you about Jesus. It might have just been from the pulpit, but you got agitated. I wish he would shut up. I wish he, how does he know why? I wish he'd stay out of my business. But you know what? If you have a washing machine and you want to get something clean, you better have an agitator in it. Right? It's the same word, agitator. So say, I'm, an, I'm a holy agitator. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Man, I hope Uncle so-and-so doesn't show up because he's the only one to talk about Jesus as I drink my beer. Boy, what are you drinking that beer for? I'm sorry. Get away, Uncle. We don't want to be sin. You Listen, when we're out walking in sin, we don't want to be around the Holy, Holy Ghost agitator. But that's exactly what you need. Am I agitating some people today? Yeah, I, do what? Agitate away. <laughs> Washed by the water of the word with the holy agitator. Amen. John fourteen twenty six. Jesus said, but when the Father, this is the passion. But when the Father sends the spirit of holiness, the one like me who sets you free. I like that. Say that. The one like me who sets you free. The Holy Spirit, he says, he sent the, the Holy Spirit. When, when he comes, he's going to be the one like me who sets you free. He will teach you all things in my name. He will inspire you to what? To remember. Say remember. remember. Every word that I've told you. You want to stir some things up in the Holy You want to stir the Holy Spirit up with you? Say, Lord, remind me. Remind me. And then you, knew, you know the Bible says we can actually remind God. Then we said, God, remember when you did this in my life, you start recounting the miracles in your life. And you remind God, then all of a sudden you're reminded of all the wonderful things he's done in your life. And then all of a sudden you get stirred up. Like, why would I go back to that bondage? Why would I go back to that and be a slave to that when God set me free from that? And he's reminding me today that I'm free. And who the sun sets free is free indeed. But we all, listen, Holy Spirit can remind you all day long, but sometimes it just takes a brother or sister to slap you upside the face in a holy sort of way. And then you turn the other cheek and let them slap you again, agitate you some more. A lot of slapping going to go on after church today. What'd you slap me for? Turn the other cheek. Slap me. Jesus loves you. <laughs> Holy Spirit, come awake. Wake up in them. Look at 2 Peter 3, verse 1. Beloved, I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the Holy Prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. He goes on to talk about end times are coming. He said, listen, I need to remind you. I need to stir some things up in you. The church needs to be stirred up today. The church as a whole needs to be stirred up. 
We need to be wake. We need to wake up. But you know how it's going to happen if we get involved in loving, in serving, in praying, and yes, agitating people that need Jesus. They need to be reminded of His His love. They need to be reminded of His forgiveness. They need to listen. Sometimes, if you ever talk to somebody that's backslidden, you need to remind them of what God brought them from, out of, and what He brought them to. And you sit there and you go, well, I can't believe I went, I went back. And that's all it takes for them. The Holy Spirit starts stirring up in them again. Says, yeah, come on back. I haven't left you. He said, he said, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's a promise that he says. Once he comes in, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never means never. In the Greek, it means never. In Hebrew, it means never. I will never forsake you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life until you screw up or backslide? No, it said everlasting life. Everlasting life. Everlasting means what? Everlasting. Forever. Eternity. We need each other. Not just for accountability. I had somebody that asked me yesterday, said, I need an accountability partner. Well, that's a good thing to have. It's nice for somebody to call us out on some things. And, and you know what? Accountability is only as, as good as honesty goes. You know? But accountability, to have somebody that your accountability to, I believe that God raises those people up in your life. I don't think you can just go, well, I think I'll put that person and that person together and they can be accountable to one another. I believe it comes out of a relationship. Not just with God, but with each other. With, and that's why I encourage men, get to the men's Bible study. Ladies, get to the ladies' Bible study. Get to those classes. Get to those places. You know, some people go, well, I just don't know anybody at the church. And you know why you don't know anybody? Because you just come on Sunday morning, you're a little late, and you kind of leave a little bit early, and you wonder, why don't people know me? I've never, I, you know, I, I come up to people that, how long have you been going to church? Are you visiting today? I've been coming here six months. I don't, how, how do I know that? Because I'm hanging out in the front and I hang out when people leave and then I still don't know some people and some of them I just actually forgot, you know. But if you're going to really get to know God and get to know His people, you've got to hang out some together. And then all of a sudden you'll find them, one of those brothers calling you up and say, man, where were you Sunday? Well, me and my wife got in a little fight. Oh, what, is it okay? No, no, it's bad. Can I come minister? Can I, can I recommend somebody? Yeah, 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 I need some help. That's how it happens, church. That's how it works. Hey, don't, don't put it all on me or Mary Lou. Don't, please don't put it on the staff. We're not, we're not enough of us. Our phone rings off the wall. Our tech, and, and please don't ever say that I know y'all are too busy. We're too busy, but I'm not too busy to minister. You know? And I'm not too busy to actually know somebody else that may be able to minister to you better than I could. I don't think I've got it all figured out. There are certain people in this church, if you've got a certain kind of issue, I'll say, this is who you need to talk to. And don't think, oh, the pastor doesn't let me know. The pastor is just trying to use wisdom. Because we do. We love you. We love you in, in, in your goodness and in your badness. You know why? Because God loved me in my goodness and my badness. I had lots of badness. Okay? Okay, let's move on. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, "I like this. This is that that this is that men's Bible study group. Iron sharpens iron, so one man should sharpen the other." <laughs> okay, it takes a grinding will. This is the passion. It takes a grinding will to sharpen a blade, and 
So one person sharpens the character of another. You know, I love that iron sharpens iron. But you know what? When you put iron to a other piece of iron and the wheel's turning, what happens? Sparks fly. <laughs> See, well, iron sharpens iron. Oh, that's so nice and neat. No, sometimes, sometimes we get upset when somebody's stirring us up, so we're agitating us, and the sparks start to fly. But listen, if you have an attitude to learn and to grow, you'll figure out that those sparks are a good thing. It's kind of a holy spark. You know, we've been talking about flames today. Some of you got some, y'all need some sharpening. And you, but the only way you're going to get sharp is get, to some, get with somebody that's sharper. That applies to women too. Galatians 5.16. Get back to Galatians. This is the passion. He says, Paul says, let me emphasize this. Ooh, here's that word. One of my favorite words. As you yield, say yield, yield. to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. As you yield to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. That means your flesh. Say flesh. Flesh. And when your self-life or your flesh craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit, you hinder him from living free within you. So you want to you start backsliding, you want to start walking in, in the flesh, then you just quit listening to the Holy Spirit, quit trying to please God, and start trying to please yourself, and that's what will happen. But listen to this. He goes on further. He says, And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your self-life from dominating you. See, the Holy Spirit is jealous. He wants you. He wants to hold on to you. He wants to guide you. He wants to teach you. He wants to love on you. He wants to gift you. He wants to do everything in your life. He wants to come in and he wants to bless you. And it says there's a craving by the Holy Spirit to come and fill you so that you can be the person that God's called you to be. To walk in the power, love, and the sound mind that God's given you. That's what he wants to do. But so many times we allow the flesh of the self-cravings to overtake that, then we find ourselves needing stirring up. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the Spirit of God. We baptized two today, and they, they, they were buried with Christ in baptism, raised to walk in what? Newness of life. Behold, all things are new. That's what God wants for us. That's the newness. That's the freedom that he gives us. But I'm sure not one of you in this mor- here this morning has a battle with the flesh. I'm sure you all have it all together, right? That's why the chuckles are out. <laughs> if you'd only seen me last night. <laughs> yeah. It's a battle there. Paul acknowledges it throughout the word. It's a battle. Battlefield is between your ears. It's a battle. But look at verse 18. But when, not if, but when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. I want to soar. No, I don't want to soar, S-O-R-E. I want to S-O-A-R. I've got to soar. I'm sore today because I fought a tree this week and the tree won. Anybody ever fought? A tree and letting the tree won. It was a, it was, I told my wife, I said, if, if we had had a backyard camera or somebody had been videoing pastor trying to take down a tree, 
it would have made AFV, America's Funniest Videos, we could have made 10 grand. Because we got this tree in the backyard after the freeze last year, and I'm, I'm just, you know, have you, you ever get started on one thing and you just kind of naturally go to the next thing, which I shouldn't have done. I'd been on the roof, taking out the Christmas lights, which I wish shouldn't have done that. And so I'm downstairs and down on the backyard and I'm breaking off, pulling the vines off. Our vines grow all over our house. I'm pulling the vines down. And the vines happen to be right next to a tree that's dead. And so I start pulling the limbs off, pew, 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 like Superman. I pow, pow, pew, pew. See that limb, the bottom limb, that's a big, big limb. And I was like, okay, this is coming. <laughs> wouldn't come on that limb would not buzz I thought man I got my boots on I'm about to kick that thing bam bam <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen stars you know like they show them in the movies like I saw stars there was no angel there if he would have been there he would have caught me or maybe he was there and he kept me from being impaled on the other limbs that I fell on that I'd already taken off the tree and I fell and I hit my arm and my shoulder and my ribs on the right side. And, and I, okay, Jesus, just take me home. I know I'm dying. <laughs> and then after a few seconds, I go, well, I'm not dead. But maybe I just broke everything in my, this side of my body. And I thought after a little bit, I can remove my fingers. I always knew that if you can move your fingers, that you're in pretty good shape. And I thought, but I can't get up. You're falling, you can't get up. I, I, I just, anything, I'm, I just couldn't get. So I finally, after, I just laid there. I thought, okay, I'm just going to lay here for a while. Maybe my wife will come out and check on me. So I get up. I roll to the side, and I get up. And I'm walking in the back door. She's on the couch, like, watching TV, like, oh, baby. I think I'm really hurt myself. And leaves all over me. I looked a mess. You know, my hair is everywhere. Blood coming out my elbow. And, and uh, you know, my wife does. And all of her compassion. What did you do? What were you doing? What did you think you could do? You know, then she gets, after the shock. We always call Dr. Wes. <laughs> I'm calling Wesley. I said, why are you calling Wes? That's <laughs> our son. Like, he, like he's going to come over and heal me or something, but he's just like, Mom, can you move his finger? Yeah. Can you raise his hand? He, yeah, he can raise his hand over his head, and he's okay. No, I think we should take him to the ER. No, don't take him to the doctor. <laughs> Put him on a ventilator, you know? No. <laughs> anyway, it's okay. Pedro prayed for me Friday. It feels so much better. So, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's a fun story. And I don't know why I told you that, but let's see. Um, flesh. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't yield to the tree. That's what it was. I should have said, I yield to the tree. I'm not going to try to break that limb, okay? In the name of Jesus, just break. <laughs> but when you yield to the life of the Spirit, you will no longer be living under the law, but soaring above it. Sometimes we make stupid decisions and choices when our flesh gets involved. How many of you ever use the phrase, I, I'm going to have to make this happen? I can make this happen. Or you tell somebody, honey, you need to go make that happen. And we get caught up in the thing, the thing to, to think that we can make something happen. And then God says, wait, 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 wait. It's not you. Would you let me work this out? Because I've got a better plan than you. 
If I were you, Harold, I would call somebody with a chainsaw. <laughs> Wisdom. But we run ahead of God. I guess that's why I, I said that. We, we just think we can do things and we just go after things and, you know, and we forget how that we age and all that stuff. God said, wait on me. Yield to me. There's an old hymn that we used to sing, and, and man, it just popped into my head. How many of you remember that song, Is Your All on the Altar? You have longed for sweet peace and for faith to increase and have earnestly, fervently prayed, but you cannot have rest or be perfectly blessed until all on the altar is laid. Listen to the chorus. Do y'all know it? Sing it with me. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? Your heart does the spirit control? You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. Third verse says this, Oh, we never can know what the Lord will bestow of the blessings for which we have prayed till our body and soul He doth fully control and our all on the altar is laid. Is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid. Your heart does the spirit control. You can only be blessed and have peace and sweet rest as you yield him your body and soul. We don't sing songs like that much anymore. It requires us to do something. It requires us to do something as we yield him our body and our soul. So how often do we need to be filled or stir up this gift of the Spirit? Well, the Bible says continually. Continually. We, 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 we can't just go like a car and fill up once in a while. We can't go just, you know... We eat meals and we, we, we get hungry again, and yet we get filled with the Spirit and we get hungry again, but we don't get refilled. Ephesians 5.18 says, and don't get drunk with wine, which is rebellion. Instead, be filled continually with the Holy Spirit. Think about the mandate of Jesus. When he came out of the wilderness, that encounter with Satan, spoke the word back to Satan, came out of there victoriously, then he went into the synagogue and ra rolled out the scroll. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Spirit of the Lord. Because he has anointed me to preach the good, the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty. That word liberty means freedom to the captives and to recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty or freedom those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. He said, that's why I'm here. He said, that's why I left heaven. 
Because I see people in bondage. I see people hurting. I see people that need a savior. And my father said, go, son. Now's the time to go. Today's the day. Open the scroll, son. And he said, this is happening now right before your very eyes. He came to fulfill what his father said to do. See, God has called you to fulfill what the Father has called you to do. And it's not just to take up space. We're not here to occupy space, church. We're not. We don't put our, uh, uh, we don't put our roots down and just stay and occupy space. We are a voice in the kingdom of God. But we've got to be yielding to the Spirit of God. 2 Corinthians 3.17, that's our go-to verse for our church when we first started. This was on all of our literature. And we use the NIV because it had the word freedom instead of the New King James, it had liberty. It says, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Now that would teach me, that would show me that if there's not a Spirit of the Lord, then there's no freedom. Wouldn't that stand to reason? Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. But, so if there's not a Spirit of the Lord, there's no freedom. And you may think you're free. But you're not. But I love the Passion Translation. Listen to this. Woo! This just puts it in a whole different light. Now the Lord, in, print, in, in quotations, Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever He, the Holy Spirit, is, there is freedom. Wherever He's Lord, there is freedom. Holy Spirit needs to be Lord of your life for you to walk in freedom. That word Lord there means master. That, that word Lord means more than, it means the one who is in control. It means the one who has the power to make decisions. See, God sent him here. He said, Jesus said, it's to your advantage that I leave because when I leave, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and you will have the Spirit of God living in you and he will teach you all things. Amen. But you've got to be allowing him to stir, be stirred up in you so you can be that vessel. Like we sang about this morning. You've got to allow the fresh wind to blow like we sang about this morning. You've got to be allow the Holy Spirit to come like we sang about this morning. We got, you've got to yield to the power of the Holy Spirit, to the presence of God through the Spirit of God. You want more freedom? And I'm not talking about the world's freedom, but the freedom we receive when we get Jesus. Then you stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit that's within you. Stand up, would you?